0: Hello, welcome once again to the Cooperland Podcast, your humble host, Cooperland. I'll go with humble today. And today we're going to be talking about a few things. We're going to be talking about round two of the NBA playoffs, recapping all the madness and craziness that went on during that, which will then lead us to talking about conference finals. And there's been a couple of games played so far. I waited to record because, to be honest, I wasn't even sure who was going to come out Of these conference finals so my predictions would have been terrible I want to just more give analysis on this round but I'll give my NBA final winner prediction in this video and might shock some people we'll see also I'm going to break down the AFC North division offseason recap with the Browns looking like a real favorite to me right now Also, maybe a little bit of Twitter talk because there's been some funny stuff on there that I've really laughed at this past week. And we're going to end it with a local news story that uh, is really kind of (laughs) shameful. But I'll get all that going here in just a sec. For now, time to dance to some intro music. You know what I'm saying? like that song, man. (laughs) Um, Yours truly made it, so maybe I'm just kissing my own butt, but I really like it. (laughs) I think I'm going to keep it. I I tried a few episodes, you may notice, without it, and it it just felt a little awkward, you know? So I think I'm going to end up keeping it. We're going to start off with this round two recap, though, and, and what an excellent set of games. I know outside of Phoenix and Denver, that was over quick. (laughs) Um, But outside of that, a lot of these series were really, really competitive. And we'll break it down right here. So first, with that Phoenix-Denver series, it really just seemed like a matter of Jokic just didn't have enough to compete against them. Jokic can beat a, a fake contender like the Trailblazers with all these guys because he doesn't need as much help in a series like that because of how bad Portland was defensively. But when you go to round two and you're going up against a two seed, it's a totally different conversation. And Chris Paul was excellent in that series. He rebounded really well, no pun intended. After getting hurt in that Lakers series, he had some phenomenal games in that series he looked like a the true Chris Paul experience was on display unfortunately we found out after the round that he had tested positive for covid and so he's actually not going to be playing in the first couple games but i heard game 3 he is likely to play which because of circumstances that i'll talk about later is is huge and the clippers better start packing uh but, yeah, no, Chris Paul was excellent. And the thing with the Suns, to me, is they just... Their role players seem like championship role players. And that is what it comes down to, in my opinion. Everyone can have the stars, right? Unless you have a team that it doesn't even matter, like a Golden State. But even with the Golden State, right? They had a Gidala. You know, they they had Kevon Looney. They had guys that were playing roles for them. You could argue Draymond was a role player at that point, right? They had these guys that were playing really big for their roles. And the Suns team has a lot of that to me. It has a lot of guys who know what their job is and they execute very well. Some of that's got to be credited to Chris Paul, although not as much as some of the people are saying. I saw that Michael Wilbon said the spirit of Chris Paul was in Cameron Payne, which, uh that's kind of, that's just gross. Like, what? <laughs> what do you mean? Is Cameron Payne's a grown-ass man who, you know, can take care of shit? And, but also, you gotta give a lot of credit, though, on The Real, to Mike, not Mike D'Antoni, Monty Williams. Because, I know he didn't win Coach of the Year, but he got second, and he really has done a great job with this team, especially, he had some some tragedy a few years ago and for him to bounce back and get this head coaching job and do this well and turn around the suns as fast as he did him and james jones deserve a lot of credit devin booker also deserves a lot of credit because he has shown and it's been silly for people to ever think this to me but he has shown that he's not just a good stats bad team guy he's just a good stats guy You know, he puts up numbers. He's been so fun to watch in this playoffs because he can get to that mid range anytime he wants. And same with Chris Paul. They could take threes, but that's more what the role players are there for. These guys are more into that mid range game because it allows them to kick out to three point shooters, but also allows them to get into paint if they want to. It just opens up a lot of opportunities. As for Denver next season, I hope that Murray is back for the start of the season. We did just see Spencer Dinwiddie get cleared for basketball activities five months after tearing his ACL. So there's a chance, but it's unlikely. As long as he can get healthy before playoffs next season, I think that's all that they care about. But now it's going to be a little awkward, I think, coming back because... I think there's going to be a legit discussion as to who is the number two guy there. Is it Porter or is it Murray? Murray's getting paid like it, but I don't know, man. Porter, while he's inconsistent still, when he's on, is, is a Kevin Durant level scorer in terms of how hard he is to guard. Because when you're that tall and your jumper is that smooth... Like, putting a hand up, unless you're a tall guy guarding him, which is rare, like, you can't really contest that shot. With Kevin Durant, it's the same thing. You can't really contest a KD shot because of how high his release point is. You can only just hope to bother him. And I think Porter Jr. is going to get stronger, and he's going to learn more things so that he's not as streaky as a performer. He's hopefully also going to improve on his team defense, which is hard to practice, but you just study film potentially to get better at that. But he, to me, has superstar potential. And do you want to have him get used to that number two slot? And Murray comes back now, especially coming back from the injury, you have him a little less pressure on him because if there's pressure for him to come back early, that's how people get re-injured. I mean, biggest example, Kevin Durant game five of the NBA finals when he he tore his uh, his Achilles again after rushing back potentially from his calf injury. All that being said, though, I am optimistic for Denver. I don't think this is anywhere near the end of their run. I think Denver is going to be good for a long time as long as they got Jokic, you know, and I expect them to hopefully... Get a little bit better role players off the bench. Maybe Howard and Dozier are a little bit better next year. But I'm excited to see what the Nuggets do next season, really. I think that they could easily get to the finals next year if if everything plays out right. I thought they had a chance, really, this year. In fact, before Murray got hurt, when they were just Aaron Gordon and Murray and Porter and Jokic, those four We're looking so good that I was low-key thinking they might be a finals team, but it's not always the case. Injuries, as we've seen throughout the playoffs, have affected everyone in different ways. And I really hope he gets healthy. I, I Jamal Murray in that bubble was sensational. He had moments this year where he was starting to turn it on towards the end before he got hurt. So hopefully Denver can be right back where they were next year. I'll go in order of the games it took. And so next is going to be Clippers-Utah. If you're Utah, you've got to be very... you got to be punching yourselves because you easily should have gone to the Western Conference Finals. Without Kawhi, there's no reason why you should have lost to those Clippers teams. I understand Terrence Mann had that game, right? But Terrence Mann... And Batum in that game six only played as well as they did because you let them. Rudy Gobert, and this is why I I thought Ben Simmons was the defensive player of the year. I'll still stick by that despite his troubles, right? But to me, Rudy Gobert, he's really, really good at defending in the paint in his role. If he has to come out of that, he's not good. He's not a versatile defender. And for me, defender versatility is better than being elite just at the one thing. Because then if they take you out of that one thing, well, you're kind of screwed. And that's what happened. I mean, Rudy Gobert was having to try to guard perimeter players. And he can't. Terrence Mann scored 39 on his dome. In that final game, I saw that, that... Clippers players shot 12 for 15 against Rudy Gobert. I mean, like Tim Legler was saying after the game, at what point do you say, I I know this is our $200 million player, but we got to bench him right now. And that's going to be a theme in another series too, where it's like, you just have to, in the playoffs, God, forget the politics of it. Forget the egos of it. You need to do what you can To win the game. That's what the playoffs are about. And for Rudy Gobert to play as much as he did. When it was clear he was getting torched. Was to me kind of disgraceful. I thought obviously Mitchell being hurt hindered them as well. So I do think there's a chance they just run it back with the same group next year. and Try this again. But big priority in my opinion for them is going to be a small ball center. They got to get a guy. They have the guy to guard Davis and and Jokic. They need to get a guy that can go small ball against teams like the Suns, who have more perimeter players. Aiden, maybe you can guard him with a small ball, right? You need that for teams like the Clippers. You need that for a team like Portland. You know, you need it for some of these teams. And I'd be interested to see if they try to do get a small ball center backup for Rudy Gobert. (laughs) at the end of the day though you gotta just give the Clippers credit and as much as that hurts for me to say as a Laker fan you do because guys stepped up in the absence of Kawhi Leonard Paul George, game 5 and 6 was sensational he totally looked like that Indiana Paul George and I was like oh dang, If, if Indiana Paul George is right here right now we might have a different ball game and that's what ended up happening. A lot of these role players, once again these role players are the key, stepping up. Terrence Mann with what was such a fun game to watch, in that comeback to see Terrence Mann ball out the way he did was super cool. I I'm nothing but happy for him. That was awesome. Anytime someone just bursts on out of nowhere. Well, not out of nowhere, you know, but nobody not many people New Terrence man, he was a second round pick a couple years ago, and he was just kind of known as an energy guy off the bench, but he did really well in that game and and had a career high scoring night, college or pro, it was his best scoring night of his career, in a game six to eliminate the Jazz. That is big time. Pat Bev came in, made three threes, played some good defense in that second half. He was huge for them. Nicholas Batum playing small ball center. Them giving Zubach less minutes. And that's my boy Zubach, right? He's a former Laker. But that in this series, they figured out, hey, Rudy Gobert, he can't punish us on offense to justify us putting a big man on him. So let's put Nick Batum on Rudy Gobert and, and, and some of these smaller dudes on him. And Rudy Gobert could not take advantage of it. I know, I think it was game five, I want to say, where he didn't score until like three minutes left in the third quarter. And that's that's embarrassing. I think Rudy Gobert's got to hit the lab this summer and work on becoming a more versatile player across the board. He's very one-dimensional. He is screens, rim runs, and... <clears throat> Paint defense and that's it and that back in the day, right was totally fine But in today's era with the way these perimeter players can easily just get that switch onto you or The way that they can swing and play small ball. It's not gonna work in certain matchups So if he wants to stay out there if he's this $200 man that the Jazz paid him to be He's got to work on a few parts of his game. I Think he is a good player in the league, right? But I don't think he's a great player. I think he's a really good one. And I, I don't think he's the third best center in the NBA anymore because of somebody who's had a great run during this playoffs who we'll get to a little bit later on. Next, I want to talk about Milwaukee versus Brooklyn. That was a phenomenal series. If Brooklyn's healthy, though, Brooklyn totally wins this. And it's not close. It's not at all. They probably win in five Maybe six, if they're if the Bucks are really feeling good, but they, it would not be close to me if this team was healthy. And despite that, they still took it to seven. James Harden playing on one hamstring essentially, right? He did his thing. He tried and and performed, and I got to give him credit for that. I know people are gonna look at the stat sheet and just be trashing Harden because of that, but. To me, this was a really impressive playoff performance because he was playing with a torn hamstring, essentially. And for him to gut it out, I thought was really impressive. I think the most impressive player in the series was Kevin Durant. He showed potential, like why we view him as maybe the best scorer of all time. He could get his shots off so easy and fact that he's able to play the whole game in games five and seven yeah after two years from a a torn achilles i mean it's truly impressive stuff and the the day they just came up short because the brooklyn nets didn't have depth right they don't have depth on that team and that's going to be a reoccurring problem unless they get a lot of guys that sign for the vet minimum which is totally possible it's we've seen it happen but their lack of depth ultimately is what cost them in this series. They should have won too because coach Bud he didn't really make many adjustments until the 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 total end when their backs were up against the wall. Then coach Bud made some adjustments, but it's like why wait that long to make any adjustments to your rotations and shorten them up and play Giannis and Middleton and and Holiday more I don't know why he waited so long to do that They're lucky they got out of this series I'm serious They're really lucky they got out of this series Giannis did his thing though Giannis totally did his thing Especially in that game 7 Putting the team on his back when You know his co-stars were struggling And it was the opposite in game 6 Middleton was was phenomenal Really I think that was the best I've ever seen him play in the playoffs. He was that good. But, getting a day, what they did, Middleton and Holiday, right, in Game 7, they played bad, right? But when it mattered most, they made shots. And when it mattered most, Brooklyn did not. Except for that Kevin Durant shot. And that was so crazy to see. I was watching it with my dad. And, to see him just barely have his foot on the line. That that kind of broke my heart for him cuz you could see it in his face that he he knew that he needed that to be a three. That this team's tired. And once it was called a two, I thought okay, this gives Milwaukee new life. I thought that Brooklyn really needed to win in that regulation with Harden playing heavy minutes as well. And that overtime, both teams were fatigued. But with the Bucs, you just had a little bit more options other, other than Giannis. You know, you had Holiday and you had Middleton. And, heck, you even had Pat Connington out there for a little bit once P.J. Tucker fouled out. So... They had other guys that were capable of at least making threes or making some shots. But with the Nets, Joe Harris was awful. I I don't think they trade him because of one bad playoff series. I hope that he can come back next year, bounce back, and be better. But they could trade him just because they're that upset about it. I don't think they will, though. I think that this Nets team knows, hey, we just didn't catch a break this year and that's okay. We're going to come back next year with a lot of the same guys, give or take a few bench players. Maybe they bring Dinwiddie back, but I heard Dinwiddie's probably going to leave and try to win it again. I'm excited for the Bucks though because maybe this is that series that gets them over that hump. Maybe they defeated their playoff demons in this one. We'll, we'll see, but they might have. And the last game I want to talk about was Philly versus Atlanta. Probably the most, not controversial, I would say, but just shocking. Uh, Atlanta beats Philly. I thought Atlanta would be out in round one. And here they are now in the Eastern Conference Finals. Which, before the season, I thought, I think I had them as a, a 8 seed, I want to say barely making the playoffs I that's what I thought of Atlanta and clearly I was undervaluing a lot of these role players and also Trey Young too but at the end of the day this Simmons is uh <laughs> this series comes down to Simmons right? He is why Philly lost. I I know people are gonna point well what about those all bench minutes with that Doc had? I don't think that's why they lost. Because the bench didn't play as much in the second half first half they built up these leads and then they lost them multiple times I think why they lost is because Ben Simmons was scared out of his mind and I feel bad for him because he's supposed to be this super talented number one pick guy and he don't got he can't even take a free throw with confidence I mean we all saw that play he had a wide open dunk and past it that is a man who's just living in his head and letting other people live in his head you know I, I hope that they move on from Simmons if I'm being honest not because I don't think that there's a chance they could win a championship with Simmons and Embiid I still think they could I think it's possible but I think at this point I think it's kind of toxic between the fan base and him and maybe there's it seems like Dock and Embiid, they didn't necessarily throw shots, but it was a little passive-aggressive towards Ben, potentially. And Ben Simmons, I think with a fresh start somewhere, could be a really good player. I think he is a really good player, but I think he could become a great player potentially somewhere else. And also, if you're Embiid, I think it's time to see Embiid with a point guard that can do the pick and roll, that can shoot. I think it's about time. I know what I want to see, and I don't think it'll happen, but I want him to see Ben Simmons go to Oklahoma City, and and then Kemba would come back to Philly. Maybe Lou Dort or Kenrich Williams would come to Philly as well. You might even throw a pick. I don't know. Probably not after this playoff series, to be honest. I don't know if you'd throw a pick, <laughs> but... It would give Ben Simmons his own team for sure. He'd be the best player there. Him and Shea would be the duo, right? It gives you a bunch of these young guys around them. It gives you a bunch of picks. And it gives Ben Simmons into Oklahoma City, not a a, a media darling like Philly, where they're going to get all this attention. He's going to be out of the focus, out of that major limelight. And I think that's what he needs. I think he's caught up too much in the... the not not He's not as focused on the actual basketball parts of his life. He's really focused on everything that comes from that. You know, he's... When you see him, too, when you watch him play, his facial expressions are just odd. It doesn't seem like he's real locked in to what he's doing. And I feel like maybe if he goes to OKC, that he has a chance to do that. He also gets Kemble Walker over to Philly. Who, yeah, Kemba had a bad year last year. But maybe with Joel Embiid inside, it's going to help him out. They also got, you know, Seth Curry's a great player for him. He proved himself in this playoffs. And you'll get some more looks for him. You got Tobias Harris. I think that that would be a great move for them. It would allow Theibel to get a little more minutes in development, too. I'd be interested in that. I really would. I, you know, don't bet... Like, you can't really bet, but I I would put money on him going to Oklahoma City at the end of all this. Because I just don't know who else is really going to trade for him. I heard Portland. Why would Portland try to get him? Why would Portland try to get him? I don't understand. It doesn't make sense to me. With Nurkic there, that just sounds terrible. You need to get him around a big that can shoot. You need that paint open unless Ben really works on his jumper like that, you need that paint open. And I think that, you know, it may rush that OKC timeline a little bit. I don't think it does, though. I think that Simmons is young enough, same with Shea, where where you can still work on just developing all these young guys and, and not really be focused on playoffs and stuff. You're about to get another guy in this draft, right? Another two guys, potentially. I think they have the 16th pick and the I want to say the eighth or the seventh. No, seventh is the Warriors. It's the sixth pick. We'll talk about that draft lottery here in a sec. But man, what a series though. As much as we can talk about all the things that Philly did wrong, and I'd love talking about it. But what a series, in my opinion, for Trey Young. Trey Young has showed, once again, He's that dude. I I I'm gonna be honest, I think he's the third best point guard in the NBA right now. Behind only Stefan Dame. Yeah, that includes Luca and Chris Paul. Chris Paul at this point is not as good as Trey Young. Luca, right? He can't even get out the first round. I know he's gone up against the Clippers twice, right? But he can't seem he he seems to have the mental. That doesn't make up a champion the way that Trey Young does Trey Young wants that moment. He does not fear anything He supports his teammates. He is constantly uplifting the guys around him trying to get others involved and I think he's gonna be a star for years to come I know there's been rule changes in terms of the way that jump shooters get fouled And I know he took advantage of a lot of those rules, right? But I think he's that good that he's going to find a way to adapt. I think he's still going to be fine. And on to talk about these Eastern Conference Finals now that we wrap that up. Also, shout out to Red Velvet, Kevin Herter, in that Game 7. Really is what saved them. Really is what won it for Philly. He was lights out in that game. And his scoring was totally needed. A lot of guys were having rough nights, and Kevin Herder stepped up. And I, I really like him. That's why I like Atlanta. They have guys that can step up in a moment and drop 20, 25, right? I'm not saying they're going to do it every night, but you have guys that are capable of doing it on any given night. And you saw it there with Herder, And you're going to see it in this Bucks-Hawks series with a few guys, too that's the first game I wanted to talk about in this conference finals is that game one of the Bucks Hawks man Trey Young lit it up 48 7 and 11 was sensational throughout the night did take a few deep threes at the end of the game which were kind of like but other than that he was he was phenomenal he had his off the backboard alley oop to John Collins which was sick as fuck he had his crossover on Drew Holiday, which was also sick as fuck. And it was such a joy watching him just carve up that Bucks defense. The reason why he carves up that Bucks defense is because Brook Lopez plays way too many minutes. If, like Charles Barkley after the game said, you're going to get seven points and one rebound, why are you out there as a big man? And I totally agree. If you were out there, like, was it? To stop Capella? Well, Capella is a rim runner anyways. So, Brook Lopez doesn't have the hops like that. Capella's going to rise over him and catch oops. John Collins is going to rise over him and catch oops. We saw it happen multiple times. So, it's obvious to me what the adjustment is. You got to go Giannis at center. Take Brook Lopez out in those crunch minutes. But the who now slides into the starting lineup, right? That's the question. For me, I would say it's Bryn Forbes because, yeah, he's streaky, but when he's on, he is such a game-changer for him. Pat Connington, I know he does a lot of things right, and he's just a a solid role player, but Forbes, to me, has more potential to impact the game because of his shooting. And... To put those shooters around Giannis, PJ Tucker can hit that three ball too. I think that's the move. Hopefully we see that more in the series coming up. I don't think so because Coach Buck, uh Coach Bud for the Bucks, he's not really known as this adjustment guy. Which might lose him his job. I still think there's a chance he gets fired if they lose in this Eastern Conference Finals. I think he gets fired. I'd be interested to see who they bring in that's better, right? But I, I think he gets fired if they lose this. And I Giannis had a good game. Uh, Holiday stepped up, rebounding from that Game 7. Chris Middleton still had a rough game. And someone pointed out on Twitter, they said that Chris Middleton either has really good playoff games or really bad. And no just like oh, I just scored 22 and did my thing and was all right. No, there's never that. It's always you were a beast or you sucked. And it's kind of true, I've noticed. It's, it's a little odd. It's funny. But you need Chris Milton to give you some consistency if you're going to beat this Hawks team because these Hawks guys have so many different guys that can beat you. Herder, like we mentioned, Cam Reddish could potentially be coming back in this series, which is huge for them. Bogdanovich, while he is looking a little injured, he's still a, a good shooter for him. Kevin Hurt, oh, I said him. John Collins had a great game. One was aggressive on the boards, and when made a corner three when they really needed a corner three. I think they had just missed two in a row, after or before that, and then he makes that corner three, and it was a clear, like momentum changer in my opinion. It was pretty obvious when you were watching. Trey also, I didn't even mention, he did that shimmy, and uh, I saw a video where someone took ODB, shimmy, yay, yeah, shimmy, yay, shimmy, yeah, on yeah. <laughs> um, bon voyage, I don't remember how it goes right now, but they they put that over <laughs> Trey Young doing his shimmy after the crossover, I love that, that's why I want to talk about Twitter later, because Twitter is great, uh, I don't give a fuck if I'd be on it too much. I'm okay with it. <laughs> I'm okay if I'm addicted to it. Because, man, it, it gives me such good laughs when I'm needing it. Um, but I'm interested to see how the Bucks respond in game two. Hopefully with a little bit less minutes for Lopez. And that brings us to another series where Big needs to get way less minutes. That's the Clippers-Suns. I think the Suns, this is my finals prediction, I think they're going to win the NBA Finals. To me, they just have the depth for it that these other teams don't quite have. I, I don't think the Bucks have it. The Hawks, they do have it, right? But I don't think they have as much talent as that Aiton, Booker, Chris Paul trio with their trio, what, Bogdanovich, Young, and Capella. It's not as good. And we've seen so far... What I'm talking about. Without Chris Paul, the Suns are up 2-0. Let me say that again. Without Chris Paul, they're up 2-0. Something that I wasn't so sure about. That's why I didn't really predict this series, because I thought, oh, with no Chris Paul, I think that Paul George could easily take over and and, and take a game here. Maybe bring it one-one back to the Clippers and from there you never know. But he choked. Eh, I mean he's he's played alright in game one he struggled in that fourth quarter but in game two he was terrible the whole game and then terrible even more in the fourth quarter with a few seconds left and them up by one he's at the free throw line to put him up by three and he misses both free throws there's a reason why these jokes keep happening it's because he consistently keeps fucking up in the right in the brightest moment he keeps fucking up. That would have made it so that they can't even do that Aiden now oop at the end. What's two points doing for you there? Nothing. You know then, okay, we can leave the paint wide open. We just got to guard the perimeter. And that's, that's all we have to do. But shout out to Aiden on that dunk. Shout out to Jay Crowder, though, with an incredible pass, too. Literally just a few inches above Zubac's hands. And right where Aiden could get it. But if you're Tyloo, why why are you playing Zubach and Cousins as much as you are? I know Cousins got less time in game two, but these bigs clearly aren't stopping Aiden. Right? They are they just aren't. And so at this point, it's like why not just have Nick Batum guard him more? Because your bigs can't guard him. So why have them out here? They got dominated by Ayton across the whole two games, especially in game two. But it's not why they lost, though, to me. To me, in game two, they lost because Campaign had an incredible game. I believe that was his career high in points. I heard Kevin O'Connor say he believed it was his career high in points assists with no turnovers he got nine, no turnovers and really you know I, I hate to sound like this but he was doing the Chris Paul role, I mean he plays a different light, he was a little bit more threes than Chris Paul would, a little bit more layups, attacking the basket than Chris Paul would, but he did his thing, he was the steady hand for them, cause Booker had an off night Beverly was all over Booker. Shout out to Beverly. He played some great defense in that game. And, and even, even fucked him up. <laughs> Booker was bleeding and shit. But, but at the end of the day, that's why I think the Suns are going to go all the way. Because Campaign is someone who can just step up. Mikel Bridges, to me, is someone who could step up. We've seen Ayton throughout this whole playoff step up. He's been phenomenal. And. These guys just are ready for the moment. Jay Crowder is someone you want to go to battle with. Cam Johnson is a nice player off the bench for him who can give him minutes. I mean, these guys, and, and Sarge had a few minutes too where he was looking pretty good. I think the Suns just are so versatile. With Chris Paul coming back for game three, already up 2-0. To me, it's a wrap. It's, it's, they needed to win that game. And they blew it, that was theirs to, to win, and they let Phoenix come and take it, and that's that's really all of my uh, NBA talk right there. Besides, I uh, I'll go actually I'll transition to the Twitter talk before I break down the football, because Twitter was lighting up Paul George man, and my new favorite, it's been like popular for kind of a minute, but my new favorite trend is. When they, they suggest that players need to start learning uh, Mandarin because they're going to be playing in the, the Chinese League for Shanghai Sharks and, and the Wangdong Tigers, Tigers. Um, I love those memes. I saw one where this guy was like live tweeting as he's watching the game. And Paul George has just hit a mid-range to put him up by one, right? So he tweets, Paul George in the clutch, respect my goat. And then replies to it after the first missed free throw with Boss Please. And then replies to that with Dog. Like, you could see the heartbreak from this fan in real time. It was so funny. Uh, Twitter, yeah, Twitter's been incredible. I I saw this one. uh, Shout out to, uh, I don't know how many underscores it is before or after, but I'm just going to call him Colb. Um, he had a tweet where it was Trey Young and Deandre Aiden both made conference finals while Luka Doncic hasn't been out of the first round, and then it's a picture of Martin Luther King and uh, <laughs> Malcolm X shaking hands. It's like this. is this is uh, <laughs> this, <laughs> this is why we play the game. You know <laughs> this, I, in honest honesty, these these memes to me just really are are NBA Twitter is such a cool place. It's so funny and I feel like it's way more educated than it used to be instead of just like these random hot takes from the Skip Bayless, you know, type of takes and stuff. It's more so fans with like that are actually watching. They're having these original thoughts. And even if you disagree, right, a lot of times I'm like, oh, I don't think that's ridiculous. I see how one could think that, but hey, I, I just disagree. And another few things on Twitter. I I really think it's funny. Um, I'm, I'm seeing a bunch of stuff about the Tyler, the Creator album coming out. Kevin Love uh, making, before I get into more Twitter stuff, I just want, there's only one more thing I want to talk about, which isn't even sports related, but Kevin Love making that <laughs> USA team was shocking. I, I, I could not believe that. And I think that, there's other players that might have deserved it over him. By might have, I mean definitely. <laughs> um, this man, this man was a total mess with the Cavs this year. Frustrated, throwing hissy fits. I I understand that there's mental health issues with him and stuff, right? But he was not professional this year with the Cavs at all. He he was pouting and making terrible plays at moments. And I, I just don't know. I just don't know how he made it. But the one other thing I want to talk about with Twitter was that they, they it was a court found that Subway sandwich tuna doesn't have enough tuna DNA to be called tuna. And this isn't like the first type of story from that from Subway. You know, and so basically, I just want to know why the fuck, really? I mean this. Why the fuck do people eat Subway? I cannot remember the last time I had a Subway sandwich. That shit's so gross. It's bland. It's 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 no good. It's made by someone who's wanting to kill themselves. Nah. I <laughs> you know what I mean though, right? The the Subway worker, like. They they look like they hate what they're doing every time. They they they're so upset to be making this sandwich, and I don't blame them because they're like they're probably thinking, bro, this bread isn't even bread. This tuna is not even fucking tuna. This is foul, and um, the fact that people ate there when there's so many other options, specifically around here. I don't know if it's a nationwide thing, um, but I know around California, around San Diego, we have Jersey Mites, which is miles better. And specifically in my hometown, we have a few good sandwich spots too. Like Agrusa's is this local place for us and it's, it's phenomenal. Everyone in Escondido loves Agrusa's. So why, why people eat Subway really is beyond me to be honest, but that, that's, I just wanted to get that out of my system. I, I don't know. I thought that was hilarious and not made a big deal off and out. Uh, no, it was not made a big deal enough by people that Subway isn't serving real tuna as their tuna. It's it's disgusting. It's, it's ugh. But here's some NFL talk, though. NFC North, or sorry, AFC North. A little off-season recap. And I, I, I'll be honest, at this point, it's just who's going to get second to me. Because I think the Cleveland Browns are obviously the first-place team in this division this next year. I thought they had a great year this past year, and their team got so much better to me on that defensive side. They used their first-round pick on Greg Newsom second, which I, I, I got to be honest, I don't understand why that's not junior unless he plans on having another Greg Newsom and that's why. But even then, you're still June. I don't know. But he looks like a good talent. They got a linebacker in the second round, Jeremiah. Uh, I'm going to butcher this, so I'm sorry if, He's listening, which probably hasn't happened, but Jeremiah Owusu Karamoa. He fell to round two because of a potential heart issue, right? But was totally a first round talent. And the Browns are taking a risk on him. He probably isn't going to have to play too much right away because they did also pick up Anthony Walker Jr. and Malcolm Smith in the offseason. They basically they just upgraded the hell out of their defense. And on offense, well, you got Odell Beckham Jr. returning. And also, I do like the guy they picked up from Auburn, Anthony Schwartz. He has a lot of potential to me. I see him as kind of like a John Ross type of guy. And uh, he seems like he could be a good third or fourth guy for them. I think the Browns are by far, in a way, the best team in this division. And have real Super Bowl aspirations this year. Like, last year, it was like, oh, they might make it. Wow. This year, it's like, I think they can make it. And if I'm being real, in my opinion, they're the favorite in the AFC. I I know Tennessee got Julio. I know the Chiefs are the Chiefs, but Baker, to me, is someone who is... He's a gamer, if that makes sense. He's ready for the moment, just in the way that Trey Young is. And... I expect them to be really, really good this year. And it's to me, it's the battle for second, right? Because I don't think the Bengals upgraded their team enough to step up into that conversation. They're going to get last to me. I think the addition of Jamar Chase is really cool, right? They added Riley Reef helping that O-line a little bit. Ricardo Allen, you know, solid player. But... I just don't think they have enough yet. And that's okay. They they they're a young team. I mean, they got rid of so many of their older guys in this past off season, with A. J. Green and and Atkins being the big ones that were really from that Marvin Lewis era. This is like a totally new team. And maybe that's gonna help them and they come out and they're surprising the world this year. Personally though, I'd be shocked if they win more than than oh well there's seventeen games now, I gotta remember. So, I'd be, I'd be shocked if they win more than seven. Seven to me is the peak for them this year. So, the battle for second, though, is, is really interesting because it's usually the AFC North, that I feel like it's a wild card team. I don't know why, but I, I, I just feel like they do. And I don't think that's going to stop. I think that it's basically between the Steelers and Ravens. And I, I think the Ravens are going to get that number two finish there because. Yeah, they lost some big names, right? I just think that this team with Lamar Jackson there is, is so dynamic in the run game. Even with Mark Ingram leaving, I think they'll be able to withstand that. The fact they still got those two tight ends that are phenomenal. on the And they can just run with that two tight end personnel, which has dominated throughout the regular season's. During the playoffs, when you have more time to game plan for it, maybe, you know, it's slowed down in the past few years. But in the regular season, they've been good. I do think they're going to take a little bit of a step back, though, just because they did lose some big names. Orlando Brown Jr., Willie Sneed, who I know they weren't too fond of towards that last playoff game, but he's a solid receiver. Mark Ingram going is huge. Nick Ngakwe is going to be a huge loss on the defensive end. And I don't really know if they replaced that well. Marshall Yonda, they replaced him pretty solid with Kevin Zietler. But I I think that they did enough to get – they're going to be worse. But they did enough to still stay better than Pittsburgh because Pittsburgh, to me, my bold prediction, I think that this year will be the last year that Mike Tomlin and Ben Roethlisberger are part of the Steelers organization. I think this is long overdue, if we're being honest, and their culture seems to not be what it used to be. They've lost a lot of their main guys that they've had throughout the years. Bud Dupree leaving them is huge. Vince Williams was a solid addition for them, that linebacker. Marquis Pouncey retiring, and Alejandro Villanueva leaving leave some big holes on that O-line for an older quarterback. James Connor, I know they replaced him with Najee Harris, but Connor was a solid running back. And Harris, I think, is gonna be pretty good. But not good enough to offset all these different losses that this team had. I I would be shocked if this isn't the last year for those guys. And they start to transition into a new era, maybe restructure some cap, maybe cut a few vets. And just totally move on and get into a rebuild after this season. Because to me, it's clear that the Ravens and the Browns are the future of this division. The Bengals are starting to rebuild and are in the year two, really, of that. I I think the Steelers got to look at themselves in the mirror and be like, realistic and be saying, Hey, we had a good run. We got a Super Bowl out. We got a couple with Ben. We got one with Tomlin and Ben together. And we had some great teams, but it's over. And it's it's kind of like the Chargers, right? I was upset when Phillip Rivers left. I, I was really salty. But it was time at the end of the day. And I'm glad we have Justin Herbert, you know? I think that maybe they might have done it a year too late, if we're being honest. Because this was a pretty good QB draft. I don't know how next year's will be. But... This year seems to have a few guys that are going to be pretty good pros. So, if you're the Steelers, you just got to kind of... This is kind of like what I realized with Philip within the last month of that season is to just enjoy it because you're not going to probably see it again and to just really soak it all in, think about all the memories and, and really just show love to these guys, you know. But to me, they just... I, I'd be shocked, really, If they did anything this year. I think they're going to get third. In fact, maybe they fall down to fourth if Ben gets hurt, you know. But Mike Tomlin should get another job somewhere else. Ben could probably be a QB on some other team that needs a vet QB, right? These guys probably won't retire, I don't think. But if you want to move on, you don't want to to get ugly, right? Because... Waiting for it to get ugly can sometimes really harm legacies. And leg, I'm a huge legacy guy, so that's important to me. I think out of all these draft picks, though, the biggest sleeper the Ravens picked up is Tylen Wallace. He, to me, I think, along with Rashad Bateman this year, they they are going to be some new, and, and Sammy Watkins, their new receiving core for the Ravens, I hope that Lamar can build that chemistry with them pretty quickly because I think there's a lot of talent there. I think I would not be surprised if Tylen Wallace has a breakout year this year as a rookie. I think he's really underrated. He, he was phenomenal in college. And that's really all I got on the NFL talk for today's episode. And I wanted to end it talking about something that happened really close to home. And that is... The CIF championship game between Coronado High School and Orange Glen High School. Now, Orange Glen High School, I'm, I'm serious, was down the street from my high school. We literally, we literally would walk because our football team didn't have a stadium or a, a place to play. And we so we would play at theirs. And we'd walk down there to watch the football game. It was like five minutes away, right? So they played in CIF championship game. And... Coronado wins. And that's when it really starts, right? It might have been during the game too. I wasn't there. But Coronado, head coach. First he does, he goes to the other coach for Orange Glen. And he's, he says, get off the court, you fucking loser. This is, this is a high school shit, right? That's totally inappropriate already. That alone, he deserves to lose his job. But... What tops it off is the Coronado, I don't know if it was the student section or who passed them out or what, but they started throwing tortillas at the Orange Glen players. Now for context, Orange Glen and, and Escondido is a uh, heavily populated Hispanic area and Coronado is Coronado Island. So wh- what do you think their population is, right? Just off the coast of San Diego, you know, you take the bridge over, or or maybe in a boat. I've done that back in the day, but they're gonna be more on the white side, you know. So to me, it seems like it was a racially motivated thing. They tried to play it as oh, at uh, at U C Santa Barbara, there's times where they've thrown tortillas in celebration, because but outside of that and I hadn't even heard of that but outside of that have you ever heard of someone throwing tortillas in celebration the only scenario where that's okay would be if you were working at a Mexican food place and you won the lottery and so now you know yeah you might throw a tortilla up in there because it's right there you know but really though it's disgusting behavior it's it's something that you really don't think would infiltrate a, a youth sports level but it often does And at the end of the day, yeah, the kids were wrong to do that, right? But I don't hold the kids accountable for that because they're kids and they're fucking stupid. I was – the amount of dumb shit that I did when I was in high school is crazy. I I fucked up all the time, right? But as an adult, as the coach or or parents in the crowd, you had to have set in place – either a culture or literally just said things like like we're going to throw tortillas or we're going to be disrespect. Something had to have happened. The kids don't just out of nowhere just start doing that shit, right? It had to have been kind of shit that's taken from the adults and that's why I was glad to see that their head coach for Coronado was fired and I hope he never gets to work with kids again because He to me seems like a real piece of crap. I've never met the guy, but he seems like a real piece of crap, and I know when I was in high school playing basketball, I had never heard. Maybe it happened, but I never heard an opposing coach start cursing at my coach like that ever, and. I just think we're you know we're better than that, especially for our youth, we should be better than that. That's really all I gotta say today. That whole thing really upsetting me I know I keep talking about baseball talk coming soon but there's just been so much I've been enjoying the basketball so much but I really do want to get around the baseball talks sometime in this next week before July so look out for that also look out for a little bit of music talk because I'm recording this on Thursday I am so, 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 so excited for this Tyler, the Creator album tonight. I'm a huge fan of his. I think he's one of the best artists of our generation, you know, and to get a new work from him and and seeing rumored features has me really wondering what the fuck this is about to sound like. And that's why I like Tyler. He's so unpredictable. You don't know. It's so mysterious, but so creative. As he is a creator. <laughs> um, but yeah. Look out for that in the next episode too. And that's all I got to say for today. Please follow on 4 Planner underscore net. On Twitter and Instagram. And I know I also keep saying website coming soon. Money just be tight right now. You know. And I'm, I'm working on that. I really am. Hopefully. I'm now shooting for some time. In, in, in the beginning of July. I know I keep delaying all this shit. And. I'm sorry for it. I I need to maybe not put out these public timelines like I just did right now (laughs) and just try to do it when I know I can and then once it's up, say something. But I'm just excited so I start to talk about it, you know. But yeah, that's all we got to talk about today. Thank you so much for listening. Please share with someone who also has been enjoying the hell out of these NBA playoffs because it's really been a good one despite the fact we have all these stars that get hurt. It's still been fantastic. And I can't wait to watch more and and watch this NBA Finals here pretty soon. Oh. Oh my gosh. Draft lottery. I'm actually going to save that for the next episode now that I think about it because then it will allow me to get a little bit more time to look into certain prospects and stuff. I know the top five is pretty consensus. Uh, is pretty. There's a consensus agreement. Oh, I'm I'm so bad with words, which is bad for a podcaster, right? <laughs> but, uh, just more more so to do a little bit more research on some of the prospects, right? And and see who are some guys that maybe are being, you know, overlooked right now in the middle of all this, and. So that's all I really got to talk about today, and I'll catch y'all on the flippy flip. Time to vibe out some outro music, you feel me?